Hi everyone, today I have a very important question that I need to answer and it is about suicide. Some of you ask me questions like, will I go to hell if I commit suicide? Or is suicide unforgivable? Or what does the Bible say about suicide? Now some of you might have asked this question because a friend, a very close friend or a family member committed suicide. So it's very hard for you to really get your head around this. And some of you might ask this question, some of you that watching this video right now, because you want to kill yourself. But first, let me make this very clear. If you are not a reborn Christian, then yes, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Not because of suicide, but because of all this sin, because you did not repent and you did not accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Now look, you have been given the freedom to make your own choices, but you will also have to live with the consequences of those decisions. Revelation 21 verse 8, But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, that's suicide, because you're a murderer, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars. Their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Now, what about if you commit suicide as a Christian? Well, this is a little bit more complex, and I really need you to watch the full video to fully understand this, to understand what Scripture, the Bible, says about suicide. First, you need to understand something. There are some people who say that Christians cannot have depression. That's a lie. Christians, some Christians, they do have depression. It is possible to feel depressed even as a reborn Christian. David was depressed. Just look at this. Psalm 43. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. For I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. Now here, David is giving us the problem, but also the solution in the same verse. I'll get to this a little bit later on in the video. You need to know that depression is a serious problem. And suicide is a serious, serious problem in the whole world. For example, according to the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, 47,511 Americans died by suicide in 2019 and 1.38 million attempted suicide. On average, there are 130 suicides per day in America. Now, if you're having a tough time in this world, if you want to, if you're even just thinking about killing yourself to commit suicide in this video, I'm going to give you reasons not to do it. God did not create you just so you can go and kill yourself. God will decide when your time here on earth is done. He loves you and he doesn't want you to commit suicide. And if you look at the Bible, there are roughly seven suicides. Think about King Saul in 1 Samuel 31 verse 4, Judas in Matthew 27 verse 5, Samson in Judges 16 verse 30, and Ahithopel in 2 Samuel 17 verse 23. 
And then there's also Zimri and Abimelech. But when you read these stories, it's not really described in a positive way. There's nothing good about it. Well, when you look at Samson, well, let's look at that a little bit later on in the video. You need to understand that suicide is evil. It is murder. And God doesn't want you to do it. Exodus 20 verse 13, you shall not murder. Romans 14 verse 8, for if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. The devil wants you to kill yourself. He wants to kill and destroy. That's all he wants to do. And he's the father of lies. So he will put lies in your head to mislead you. Don't fall for his tricks. Stand up and fight back in the spirit, through the spirit. John 10 verse 10 says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Now this is a very easy verse to remember. John 10 verse 10. And you need to quote it whenever you get suicidal thoughts that just comes from nowhere. Mostly it is Satan. It might be from your sinful nature as well and it might be from your emotions. That's always fickle. So you need to learn to trust God's word. Learn it, study it, trust God's promises over those fickle emotions that always change and the lies of the evil one. You need to understand you are in a spiritual battle, a battle for your soul and you need to fight. You need to put on the armor of God. Ephesians 6 verse 10 says, Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Now, let me get back to this a little bit later on. Let me first answer the question of, will you go to hell if you commit suicide as a Christian? First, you need to understand that it is a sin. And if you do it, you act outside of the will of God. It is not His will for you to do it. But then there are people who say that you will automatically go to hell. But Scripture does not say that. Scripture doesn't say that if you're a reborn Christian that it is an unforgivable sin. The only unforgivable sin that we read is to blaspheme against the Holy Spirit. Matthew 12 verse 31 Therefore I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven people, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. So why do people then say that you will go to hell automatically, even if you're a Christian, if you commit suicide? Because they think, well, there's no time to ask God for forgiveness, right? Because you kill yourself and then that's it. You have no time to ask Him for forgiveness. But then you also need to ask yourself this. What if I swear or get angry or sin right before a car hits me, before I die? Does that mean I will go to hell? Is this not unfair? Because we know. We won't be perfect on this earth, even us reborn Christians. Yes, we do have a new spiritual nature and if we act through it, we won't sin. But we do sometimes fall into sin when we are weak. So is it not unfair? Yes, it is unfair if we are judged only by our works. But we are not judged by our works. We are judged through real faith in Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2 verse 8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. So you are saved only by God's grace through real faith. Does that mean that you can just go on and sin because you got your ticket into heaven? Definitely not because that is not real faith. Faith without good works, good fruit is dead. It is fake. James 2 verse 14. 
What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? Verse 17. So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Please keep up with me here because this is very important to understand. Even if you say you're a Christian, it doesn't mean that you are a real Christian. If you don't have good works, if it wasn't genuine, if you are not spiritually reborn, then you just practice dead religion. And make no mistake, fake believers, fake Christians, will not enter the kingdom of God. They will go to hell. And that is far worse than whatever this temporary world can do to you. Listen to what Jesus says about false believers. Matthew 7 verse 22. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So your works, your deeds, your actions, all of it, who you are now as a person, how you live, that proves if you truly are a genuine Christian. And you will have good deeds if you are a reborn Christian because it will flow from the Holy Spirit within you because He made you a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Now, you are God's child. He is your father. You have now a loving relationship with him. You became his child the moment he declared you as righteous when you came to faith in Jesus Christ, when you repented of your sins and believed in him as your Lord and Savior. Titus 3 verse 5 says, He saved us, past tense, saved not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. And John 1 verse 12 says, But to all who did receive Him, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. Now listen carefully, focus, and let this understanding sink in. You will never lose your position as a child of God if you truly are His child. Why? Because you have true faith in Jesus Christ and He already declared you as righteous. Past tense, declared. And the Holy Spirit who now is in you, who helps you to grow spiritually in sanctification, is your guarantee of eternal life. Ephesians 1 verse 13, In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were, past tense, sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. And Philippians 1 verse 6 says, And I am sure of this, that He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And John 10 verse 28 says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. So this means that you are now a new creation because now you're spiritually alive. You have a spiritual nature, but you also have a sinful nature. So you try your best to live holy in the spiritual nature, to be as Jesus Christ, but you still have that 
fleshly sinful nature and you are at war inside yourself and sometimes you will sin even as a Christian you will fall but that does not mean that you're not a Christian anymore you are still God's child and he loves you you now have a father son or daughter relationship where as a father he might discipline you at times when you sin God says in Revelation 3 verse 19 those whom I love I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. You are still a Christian even after you have sinned. There's a difference between saying you're a Christian and still living in the world, not caring about sinning and just sometimes saying, oh God, forgive me, you're, you're righteous, you're just, you'll forgive me, and you don't really care about it because that's just fake. That's a fake Christian. Between that and being a real, genuine Christian, where your whole life has been turned upside down, where Jesus Christ is everything for you, and you try to follow Him as best as you can, to act through the Spirit, to live for Him. You have the Spirit in you. A fake Christian doesn't have the Spirit. They're not spiritually alive, but you are. And that is why when you sin, you feel in your heart, you feel terrible, and you go to God and you ask Him, for forgiveness, tears running down your cheeks. Now listen carefully. Even when you don't have enough time, you walk across the street and you get angry at something and a car hits you and you die, you are still a Christian, you are still declared righteous, so you will go to heaven. Because we are saved through faith, not by our deeds, but our deeds prove that our faith is real. We have been declared, past tense, as righteous because of our faith, genuine faith in Jesus Christ. Romans 3 verse 20 says, For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. And now listen to Romans 3 verse 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And now it comes together. Listen to this. Romans 5 verse 1. Therefore, since we have been, past tense, justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. All right, I hope that you're keeping up with me here, that you understand the difference between justification, sanctification, and what it means to have real, genuine faith in Jesus Christ. Justification, that happens once. It doesn't happen over and over. If you've missed my video, I'll add it for you in the video description where I talk about justification. Then sanctification is there where you're already justified, where you're a child of God and where you now grow spiritually, where you learn more about Scripture and where you want to follow Jesus Christ and want to be like Him. And you do that, you live holy while you are still on earth. And this is important. If you are a real reborn Christian, you can be sure of salvation. 1 John 5 verse 13, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. It doesn't say that you will wonder or that it will be maybe. It says that you may know about your salvation. When you sin, that doesn't mean that you're now now you're a child, now you're not his child. Now you're a child, now you're not his child. Now you're, it, it's not a yo-yo thing. It doesn't work like that. You are already saved. And now, you are learning how to live by the Spirit and not through your flesh, which will bring forth sin. Romans 8 verse 1, There is therefore now 
no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. That's the law of works. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. And you know, only those who persevere until the end, they are the ones that were reborn Christians right from the beginning. Fake Christians will not persevere until the end because their faith will be tested and it will be destroyed by fire when that testing comes. Only those who persevere until the end are truly reborn Christians. And that is why I cannot agree with people who say that even if you're a Christian, you commit suicide, you will definitely go to hell. You are not God. He is the only righteous God. You have no idea what is in that person's head just before they die. And I've had some very interesting conversations with some people where people thought that person was dead for a while, but they had a conversation with God and then they came back to life. So that means that normal people, when they commit suicide, God can talk to them before they die. Apart from that, people commit suicide for different reasons. For example, let's take a look at Samson. Judges 16 verse 28. Then Samson called to the Lord and said, O Lord God, please remember me and please strengthen me only this once. O God, that I may be avenged on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson grasped the two middle pillars on which the house rested and he leaned his weight against them, his right hand on the one and his left hand on the other. And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. Then he bowed with all his strength and the house fell upon the lords and upon all the people who were in it. So the dead whom he killed at his death were more than those whom he had killed during his life. God used Samson, one of the judges, to rescue Israel. And even though he committed suicide, his aim was not really just to commit suicide, but to kill the Philistines. And God allowed it. And if that, if that did not happen, Samson would have been killed by them anyway. Another example is the Jewish families at Masada who killed themselves. When the Roman Empire wanted to kill them, they decided it would be better to kill themselves instead of being tortured in the hands of the Romans. Yes, there are certain topics that is a little bit uh, difficult to understand. And I believe personally that in situations like these and others, God will be a fair judge because that is who He is. He's the only righteous judge. An example I can give you is the way that Jesus judges people who never heard about Him. Who never heard the name of Jesus because we know scripture says that you can only be saved by Jesus and that is true because John 14 verse 6 says I am the way and the truth and the life no one comes to the Father except through me but we also know when we read scripture in this context that people who never heard about the name of Jesus who know nothing about the law will be judged according to what they did know Romans 2 verse 14 for when Gentiles, who do not have the law by nature, do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves. Even though they do not have the law, they show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness, 
and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them. On that day when, according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. Now, of course, I'm not saying that they can be saved apart from what Jesus did on the cross. What Jesus did on the cross was necessary for every human being to be saved. Jesus still had to die for their sins for them to be saved. But what I'm saying to you is that you have to read the whole Bible to understand God better, His righteousness, His holiness, His plan for redemption. And that is why you have to study the Bible in its context. And not just like most people do these days, just wake up in the morning or someday and you just look on your Bible app that one verse for the day and you're fine. No, because that verse is taken out of context. You don't know the whole context. 2 Timothy 2 verse 15 says, Do your best to present yourselves to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Now, if you had a friend or a family member, someone that's close to you that committed suicide, a Christian, and people tell you, well, sorry, they're in hell. Don't believe them because that is not what Scripture says. God is just and He alone knows what is in someone's head before they die. And true reborn Christians, we have been declared righteous because of our faith and not because of our deeds. Jeremiah 17 verse 10 says, I the Lord search the heart and test the mind. Now, on the other hand, if you are watching this video because you're thinking about committing suicide, please listen to me very carefully. This is my message to you. If you are a child of God, then God did not forsake you. He didn't leave you. He's still there. He's just waiting for you to take His hand. You are a child of God. He's your Father. And you are not in this hole alone. He's holding His hand, waiting for you to take it so that He can bring you out of it, to bring you out of the darkness into light. He promises in Hebrews 13 verse 5, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Listen, don't lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways, submit yourself to God. Because where you are right now, you can't see things clearly, not objectively, because of all the, the pain, the anxiety, the stress, the fear, the lies of Satan. You can't see things objectively. And yes, the future is unknown, but you know God who knows the future and who controls it. And if the future is not your problem, if you're looking behind you, it doesn't matter what caused this situation that you are in. Money, health, pills, addiction, divorce, loneliness, or fear. Let me tell you from personal experience, don't limit God. Because He can turn your mess into a testimony. Never ever put a limit on Him because He is almighty. He created the whole world, the universe, and He sustains it. And even though He's that big, that powerful, almighty God, He still loves you and cares for you. 1 Peter 5 or 6 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him, because He cares for you. 
Let me ask you a question. Why are you fighting this battle on your own? Why don't you trust God? Because we know if you doubt the future, if you doubt your situation, if you doubt things that will happen, that means you don't trust God. You don't trust His Word. Where does this doubt come from? It comes from your own feelings, the things, the thoughts in your head, and sometimes it comes from the devil, attacks from him, making you doubt God. And you know he's the only one that can actually help you, the only one that stays the same. If you always doubt God, if you listen to Satan, his lies, because he's a father of lies, then you will always feel lost. James 1 verse 6 says, But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Ask yourself and be honest. What is stopping you from trusting God? Where does this doubt come from? We know doubt comes from not trusting God and believing the lies of Satan. Why do you doubt God? Is it because of fear? Fear for other people? Fear for the unknown future? Well, fear does not come from God. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Everything might feel out of control to you at this moment. And you might feel there's no way that I can continue on living. Well, this verse says... That you have self-control through the Spirit and power. There's no fear if you live in the Spirit. You have fear, you have doubts because you live in the flesh. In your own head, your own emotions, your intellect, your own will. And you need to learn to adjust, to move this all away, all the lies. And you need to cling on to the Holy Spirit that is in you. And let Him lead you forward to fight. To fight those lies in your head. Because those lies, they come from the evil one, from darkness. And it's those lies, those thoughts that wants to kill you. James 4 verse 7 says, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. So the first step that you need to take is to look up to God. Don't look here in that deep hole that you are. It's full of darkness, full of muck, full of lies, full of deceit. Don't listen to other people. Don't listen to your emotions. Don't look in it because that's not going to help you. You know, in psychology, they try to help. I've studied psychology just so you know, so you understand where I'm coming from with this. They teach you that they need to help you so that you can help yourself. But as Christians, we have a spiritual nature where we're going to connect with God spiritually. And God needs to help us. He's the only one that can truly help us. Nothing in this world can help us. There's no peace that we can get from things in this world. Maybe for short moments... We can feel a little bit happy about this, about that, but the next day, we're still in that hole. And you're in that hole, in that darkness, because you can't see clearly anymore. You can't help yourself. That is why when we are weak, we are strong. When we're weak in ourselves, we need to be strong in Christ. And that is why you need to take a rope to get out of that hole. You can't climb out of it yourself. And at the end of that rope is God who wants to pull you out of your mess. He wants to pull you out of darkness into light. But you need to make Him your priority. Put Him first. Keep your eyes on Jesus. And He promises He will take care of you. Matthew 6 verse 25 to 33. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. 
what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will He not much more clothe you? O you of little faith! Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Did you get that? The condition first, seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Then comes the promise that all these things will be added to you. The promise He will take care of you. So, how do you put God first? Well, it's easy because you just put everything else in your life second. Your marriage, your house, your car, your family, everything. And this is called, listen up because this is very important. This is called complete surrender. Jesus said in Luke 9 verse 23, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. You know, there are many Christians who kind of get stuck in life. They, they, they stay babies in Christ because they never fully surrender every single aspect of their lives to God. You know them. They are the ones that always complain, that are never happy, they never content with anything. They have a problem with this, and now they have a problem with this, and now they have a problem with that person. They have no inner peace because they act outside of God's rest. It's because they're still stuck here as baby Christians. But to become mature, really mature, you need to study, learn scripture, of course. But you also need to fully surrender where God leads you in every aspect of your life. But these people, they believe, yes, I'm a Christian, but I need to handle my life my way. I still want to make money. I want to be successful in my career. I want I, 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 I. They hold on to earthly temporary things. They want to control their lives. And you know the sad thing? If you live this way, if you want to control your life, even as a Christian, you will never ever walk in the plan and purpose that God has for your life. Ephesians 2 verse 10 for we are His worksmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You need to let go of your control. You might say, well, God, yes, uh, you can take the lead in everything of my life except my child or my marriage or my house or my career. Or you might be young and you want to control who you marry one day. Even if you hold on to only one 
thing. You have not completely surrendered to Christ. But did you forget? You are not your own anymore. You are bought with a precious price. The blood of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 19 Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. If you don't fully surrender every single aspect of your life to God, then you will never truly have peace. That peace that surpasses all understanding. That kind of peace. And God will never be able to fully use you the way He wants you to. Because He wants to lead you. He wants to take control. He wants you to live in the Spirit. Everything you do must be done in faith. But if you don't do it, if you hold on to one thing, even sin, it can stand between you and God. And you know, one type of sin that came up a lot when I talk to people about this is unforgiveness. Or is it another type of sin that you don't want to let go of? Do you want true peace from God? Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And you know, this peace, you can only have this peace if you truly trust God. And if you trust Him with every single thing in your whole life, that is when you go and pray to Him about everything. That is why Philippians 4 verse 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And listen to this, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You know, Thousands of Christians, mature Christians, can testify to this peace. I can testify to this peace because I have experienced it and I still do experience it to this day. Even in difficult times, yes, even in hardships, I still experienced God's peace in me. Why? Because I trusted Him. <laughs> not my situations, not this temporary world of all the things. My eyes was on Jesus and the things that are above, the eternal things and the truth of His Scripture over my own feelings, fickle emotions and the lies of Satan. And wow, take a look at the apostles who were beaten, killed, thrown in prison. Everything that, was <laughs> that this world could throw at them, it did. But still, they had peace. And look how Paul just preached with the power of the Holy Spirit. He had peace. He knew his purpose. He knew why he was here on earth. And he knew that he could trust God. Philippians 4 verse 11 says, For I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. And I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. Did you get that? Sometimes we just quote these verses like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, but we don't know what that means because we don't know that verse in its context. Did you read what Paul said here? He said he learned the secret of being content. What is it? 
The secret is Jesus Christ. All the answers to all your questions are found in Jesus Christ. Jesus taught them in John 16 verse 33. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Listen to me. Suicide is not the answer. This life is just temporary and it will be gone in an instant. And there will be ups and downs in this life. That is true. Things will always change. But you know what? God never will. He's the only one that stays the same. Yesterday, today, tomorrow. He's the only one that stays the same. And you can trust Him with your whole life. Everything that you are. You've been trying to do things on your own and nothing works out. And you see no way out. That's because you are not God. You can't. You are not meant to do it on your own. You are meant to submit, to kneel down before God Almighty and to fully surrender every single aspect of your life. And then taste to see that the Lord is good. If you want to do that, if you want to fully surrender to God, then pray with me now. God, forgive me for not trusting you. Forgive me for trying everything on my own while you wanted to lead me. Father, you know my whole situation because you know everything. This stress, anxiety, just please take it all. Jesus, you said in Matthew 11 verse 28, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Here I am, Jesus. I come to you as I am. Please give me rest, your rest, your peace. Break down all my walls. Take out all the lies and replace them with the truth, your truth. Set me free from this dark hole and bring me your peace that surpasses all understanding. Here I am, Lord. I'm tired of trying to do everything on my own. I need you to come and take control. You are the potter and I am the clay. I am now fully surrendering every single aspect of my life to you, God. You know the plans you have for me and I want to serve you as my king because I love you and you are all that I need. Teach me your word, the truth, so that my mind will be renewed day by day and that it will be a light to my path. I will trust you with all my heart. I will not lean on my own understanding. In all my ways, I will acknowledge you, and you will make straight my paths. I will not fear, because what can man and this temporary world do to me? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for You are with me. Your rod and Your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. 
Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Now, don't leave it there. Go on your new journey with God, where you are fully surrendered to Him, where He leads you. Study His Word and ask Him to lead you in everything that you take on now. Big decisions, small decisions, everything. Read the Word, the physical Bible, the Logos, but let Him lead you through the Rima, through the Holy Spirit and through other people. So go and find mature brothers and sisters in Christ that can help you with your path. And then, if you want more videos about growing spiritually and a dedicated one on fully surrendering to Christ, watch it here and I'll see you there. And always remember, God loves you and I love you too. Bye. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to you.